you are now listening to more victims and plan on more than just the four group charges filed today. Maddie Mann, Todd Fox. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified four victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four group charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them, and that he was also a necrophiliac. Welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with and narrating for today will be Todd Fox. That's right. But before we get into this episode, we want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Grinding True Crime. And there you can comment on our page, like our page, and leave a message on our page, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Also, follow our page. <laughs> and if you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podvine. And for those listening to us outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Go to redbubble.com, type in Top Fox 80 and there. You can get merchandise courtesy of Grinding 2 Cry. And if you like what you hear and you want to support the cause, you can always leave a Cash App donation. Just go to Cash App and type in dollar sign grinding true crimes. Listeners, discretion is advised because we can get into details that can be graphic and unsuitable for certain audience. So listeners, discretion is advised. And before we get into it, we wanted to give a couple of shout outs to some of the fans who've been very supportive these past couple of days. Shout out to... Marilyn Rice, Catherine Cashmore, and just Isabella Kelly, just to name a few. And um, do you have any shout outs, Ty? No, uh, Cock didn't respond from last week, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, God. Oh, Lonnie Smith Jr. He's been uh, commenting a lot lately, too. So Lonnie Smith Jr., another shout out. So sure. we're going to try to give a shout out to some of our fans just to show support because without you guys, we ain't nothing. Yep. So, just showing some love in return. So thank you for the comments and the love y'all been showing us lately. So we will give you guys shout outs. All right. With all that being said, Todd Fox, you have the floor, my man. Go ahead and break down your story for us, brother. Thank you, sir. Tonight's or today's episode, depending on where you're listening. Uh, a lot of you guys have <laughs> uh, been listening at work. You've been telling us. So we appreciate that. Thanks. Yes. So just uh, watch those creepy corners when it's dark at night uh, when you're listening to the show. <laughs> Something might come out and grab you. <clears throat> um, this story is about Patrick McKay. And uh, we're going to go overseas. We're going to be in England. England? Yes, sir. Likey England. Yes. A lot of UK uh, listeners. Um, it's Patrick David McKay. <clears throat> he was born September 25th, 1952. Uh, he grew up in Dartford, Kent, England. Uh, his parents were Harold McKay, who was from Scotland, so he was Scottish. And his mom, who was Marion McKay, <clears throat> she was Creole uh, descent from uh, Ghana. So uh, Creole, those who don't know, it's mostly like a white-black mix. And uh, they have a like a French accent, if I'm not wrong. Um, so You are correct, my man. Yes. 
Yeah, there you go. And and it, you can find a lot of Creole people in the New Orleans area. Yes. Louisiana of the U.S. But they do have some Creole over there as well. Um, he had two sisters that were born uh, in 1954 and 57. So he was the oldest of uh, three children. Um, he was never diagnosed with anything back then, uh, as they would be quick to shove pills down kids' throats today. And, uh, you know, give him a special ribbon and say, oh, congratulations, you know, you you can't control yourself, you know, instead of just diagnosing the issue. But that's a story for another day. Um, (laughs) But then back then they actually just put him in a special needs class. You know, they 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 didn't take the time to figure out if he had ADHD. ADHD. I don't know if they knew what that was back then. But they were just like, hey, we're going to put you in a class with a bunch of special needs kids. And back then. You know, special needs classes didn't really have the one-on-ones that you'd have today. You wouldn't have the the whole setup for your child to say, okay, well, he needs to be in the IEP program, things like that. Um, yeah, he was just plumped in with a lot of kids and told to stay inside the lines, and that's it, when he colors. So. Just throw him in that classroom, room two. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> that's, how, that's how I went for a poor, uh, poor kid right here to start off everything. Um Friends of his would say that he would uh, often display, uh, you know, normal kind of boy-like tendencies playing around in the yard. But then out of nowhere, he would run up to a girl and just smack the crap out of her and then run. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> but that, but then again, that sounds like one of my daughters, what she used to do to her sister. <laughs> uh, so I don't consider that too out of the realm of weird. Um but that's girl, girl, sister, sister. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's family. I, think I randomly walked up to girls and smacked them to smack the hair back. But <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean that is true. Um, but here's the one that's a little more weird: is he would actually hide behind a corner, and then when he'd hear a c- kid come, no matter if it was a boy or girl, he'd truck him. He'd come around the corner and just knock them on their butts, and then Dang. just stand over them, smile, and then run away like. <laughs> And then run away. <laughs> you know. Something wrong with him. Yeah, that's that's kind of creepy. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah, that was that was kind of weird. Um, his childhood wasn't good. Um, so his father didn't help things. So his father would you know was a World War II veteran, mm. and uh, so by this time when he's in school, it's probably pushing almost nineteen sixty or somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And um, but <clears throat> when he was at home, um, he would share war stories. So you're sharing war stories with a 10-year-old or younger than 10-year-old kid, you know, like, hey, this my buddy's uh, head got blown completely to bits. His eyeball was over here. His jaw was there. And the son's oh, like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> He's either, he either didn't know what he was talking about or took it all in. Exactly. Exactly. So he's hearing war stories from his father. Um, his father's like literally telling him about how he was digging trenches and just like some pretty graphic stuff, dude. Um, what the hell's wrong with that man? He ain't had nobody else to talk to. Well, it's like remember we talked about it last time, Matt, when we were talking about like the the guys that come back from Vietnam, World War II. They had some before PTSD or P. What is it? PTSD. Thank you. And PTSD. one of you guys had to correct me. <laughs> <laughs> the PTA. They the were on the PTA. <laughs> No, but um, a lot of that wasn't diagnosed back then. They just said, you know, when they come back, they're like, ah, just drink some scotch. You'll be okay. You know, it's like, <laughs> take some aspirin. It'll go away. Then you got all these alcoholics. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's a fact. And these guys came back killing their families or doing other stuff or just weird behavior. Mm-hmm. So, um, and these guys didn't have no six month tours. They were having like two, three year tours if they yep. made it back. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, so it didn't help too. Gabby got it right before I even asked the question. He drank a lot too. <laughs> so he was he was uh, very abusive. He took his frustrations out on his wife. And then for some reason, he didn't touch his daughters, but he would smack around Patrick. So mm. Patrick got a lot of early beatings growing up. Um, That's not surprising with all these people that get in trouble. Yep. Yep. Now, let me ask you guys <clears throat> one of the, the party favorite questions. Uh, what's one thing that uh, future killers often lash out when they've been beaten by family? What's one of the one of the signs that a future serial killer does as an adolescent? Killing animals. Or wet in the bed when they get a young age and they just wet the bed a lot. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Uh, <laughs> but, Peter, you are not correct. It was Gabby. Uh, animal hey. cruelty. Huh? I said, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this one, the bird, 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 bird is the word on this one. Um, <laughs> how do you use it? It, it just fits. It just fits. Everybody heard about the bird. <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is a problem, though. If you're sensitive to animals, fast forward a good 30 seconds. Um, so this is what he would do. They live close to a pond, and he would take turtles and he would put them on the open grill and grill them grill them alive. Oh, poor things. Then open them up, feed them to the birds, the 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 skin part, and then throw the shells into their neighbor's yard for whatever reason. They had this one particular neighbor that he just kept throwing turtle shells into their yard. Sort of like Mario but with no end game, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you know throw a a batter, you know, a poor uh, turtle shell over there. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah, those poor turtles. And I'm an animal lover. That sucks. Yeah, and the other bad one here too is he would catch birds and bird traps, um, and then pull them out. And this part's graphic. Um, he would rip their wings off, and then watch them, you know, suffer just to stomp them out while they're still alive. What? Yeah. This guy, oh, yeah. this 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 boy is definitely going to be a serial killer. Yeah, this is like, and this is when around the age of eleven and twelve. So he's not, you know, he's starting he's starting to ramp it up already. And um, <clears throat> one of his friends said, when they were thirteen years old, uh, they went into this garden that the teacher had made behind one of the classes, and there was these, you know, over there in the UK they have these flowers. I didn't get the name of it, but they're shaped sort of like. Uh, like bells, you know, like church bells. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think he did with it? The flowers. Yeah. Hmm. I'm gonna say he torched it. He got a he lit them up, got a match and lit them all on fire. Gabby. I'm not sure exactly what, but I'm thinking something sick. Okay. And perver- right, peed on him. He probably used them as condoms. Nope, you guys are both wrong. But Matt, Matt had a second guess, and he kind of, he kind of got it. Oh. Um, yeah, he he took uh, he took one, the biggest one, and uh, he he 
plucked it off the the uh, flower and um, you know turned it upside down. He took a piss in it in front of his friend. His friend was like, "Why is he pissing into that flower?" He looks right into his eyes, no expression, and proceeds to drink the urine. Yo, man, <laughs> cut it. That's it. Whoa. <laughs> End of story right now. Yeah. I can't do it. <laughs> Who thirsty? He drank his own piss. He drank See, his own man. piss. Yeah. Todd, we we were boys. Mm-hmm. We did some stupid stuff. You know, play in the dirt. Play, you know, probably eat an ant or something like that. I, I ate some. I, pa- I ate some paste. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, you know? I, I ate paste. I ate dirt. I, <laughs> I had mud pie. I never, never, <laughs> ever decided to drink piss. But oh, that's just so disgusting. That is disgusting. <laughs> I mean, that's his his friends would say he appeared to be normal, talkative. And <laughs> then, you know, all of a sudden next he'd turn weird. He'd inflict some pain on somebody. He would start talking like a child. What? Mm-hmm. Like, like Goo Goo Gaga, stuff mm-hmm. like that? Sort of just like with a real childlike voice. Very innocent. Mm. Oh, <clears throat> that's scary. Yep. And so it's around this time that his dad was also an accountant. So he got a job downtown, and um, he would take the train to work every day. So one day, um, you know, when he was 11, he went to uh, his dad said uh, just randomly, son, be good. (laughs) And then he's like, okay. And then his dad went off to work, and that was the last time he ever saw his dad. Oh, Oh, wow. That was his farewell goodbye. His dad would die of a heart attack getting off the train downtown. Dang, that sucks. Yeah, so he died rather young. And, uh, you know, and <clears throat> Patrick couldn't deal with this. He couldn't deal with his dad being go- gone. And when his entire family or most of his family was from Scotland on his father's side, they wanted to bury him in the motherland. And when everyone was ready to go over there, including his sisters, to pay their respects to his father, he said no. He didn't go at all. He refused to go, and he stayed in England while his funeral for his father took place in Scotland. So he didn't even say his, like, was there for the final goodbye? Exactly. He never dealt with it either. Mm, so he buried that in deep within. Correct. Why didn't he go? He refused to accept that his father was gone. I can so, see that. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, this kid's already unstable, right? And... um so when his family and everybody came back, he just started to display some really like he started to lash out. Um, his father had a favorite easy chair, like most fathers did back in the day. And, um, he sat in it, he took it over and he began to bark at his sisters. He began to yell at his mom and he began to think he was the husband of the house or the, you know, the father of the house. The and man of the house. Man of the home. Yes. Yeah. And um, he began to physically, uh, you know, abuse his mother. What? Throwing books at her, slapping her around. His sisters would intervene because they're getting, you know, close to his age at this time. And and he's smacking them around, too. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. So, yeah. So his mom feels like, you know what, they need to move, you know. So they moved to the other side of Kent, England. Um, and he, she figured a new area, new um, surroundings. Maybe this will change his personality. Maybe it's the house. Maybe you know this and that. And they moved, and things got worse. Mm. 
the the neighbors would uh, would call the police up to four times a week because of physical and yelling abuse that was taking place in that house. It was like keeping the neighbors up or they would have uh, crazy shouting matches outside. He'd be throwing stuff. And the police were there, like, again, four times a week. How Ooh. did the mom let him do all this? Like, I mean, what? She didn't do anything? No, she didn't. And you'll you'll get more mad with the mom as we move on. Oh, Lord. <clears throat> but, yeah, she definitely didn't try to stop things when it came to this. She kind of was just like, oh, stop it, Patrick. Calm down. Mrs. Herbert. Yeah. Oh, Mrs. Herbert, yes. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I mm. mean different police uh agencies including the Kent PD would call CPS over there and and they would and other um agencies to try to help um counsel the family, get them some structure, um, you know, stop with a violence type thing. And uh in one month there was 18 incidents caused by Patrick. Well, <laughs> 18. 18. I'm still tripping out that he abused the mom. Look at here. I come from a black family. If I raise one finger to my mom. <laughs> yeah. I'm still tripping out on that, man. And, and she I know was going to knock you out. Oh, man. And I she was part black, black, so she should have. That's what I'm saying. She Creole. Yeah. I'm like, yo, what's good? Yeah. And uh, the people in the neighborhood were like, literally, this kid needs to get his ass kicked. They were saying that. Thanks. Where they were like, they were like this. Well, that bloody kid needs to get his ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So the the city would finally have enough after that month of eighteen incidents. They're like, "That's enough trouble for this young kid. Let's go put him away or something." <laughs> and then uh, what they did was they they took him to a facility for troubled youth, and uh, so they kind of dealt with mental kids that had tempers and stuff like that. And then the mm. mom was like, oh, Patrick, I can't have you in there too long. And she was an enabler, to say the least. As fast as he would go in there, she's filing papers to get him back out. Oh, my God. The help she Why finally Why not take needed. the dang help? Why not have a break for your family? Exactly. You Screw know that. Yeah, let them put him on all these pills to make him a vegetable for a week so you could kick back and relax, right? I don't know about all that. Make him a vegetable. Annie, are you okay? No. Oh, man. I don't know about that one, Todd. He's like, hey, Johnson, is he moving? Not really. That means the medicine's working. Let's go eat some breadcrumbs and, and <laughs> some tea and crumpets. Tea and crumpets. <laughs> oh man! Uh, so she would file Gotta petition. Yeah, she would file petition after petition to try to get him out. I would have um, left him. I'm with you. Not to a vegetable, but I would have left him in there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like get the help to see what's going on and see what they can do with him, and so he can control all of that, but also protect your daughters. Exactly. It never says it. And that's, Gabby brings up a good point. And in, in the stuff that I've read, it never says that you know she really tried to protect his his siblings, his sisters. Uh, it was always, "Oh, mommy dearest, I have to come and help him." You know what I mean? Like it was never, it was never, I've, uh, "I'm going to protect his sisters. This is better for the family." It was always, "I got to get Patrick out of jail." That kind of. But crap. you know what? I, I I don't know that feeling. I'm not a mother, obviously, but. A mother's love for their children is deep. So maybe 
the the love for him just kicked okay. over. Okay, Gabby, I'm a speak, speak on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you're right. A mother's love for her children, a real mother, okay, mm-hmm. is unconditional. But to a certain extent, there's always going to be a limit when you have one child abusing the others. Mm-hmm. And that child is abusing you, putting your life in danger and your ch- other kids' life in danger. So what you? So saying? when that happens, I'm sorry, but you gotta choose to protect because the protector in you has to protect the innocent ones. And if this one's going nuts, you gotta do something about it. So what you Even saying? if that means that they have to stay in the facility and they're not with you, so you can make sure that your other children are safe. Preach. I agree. I'm not saying hate your son, but you got to take care of the rest. That is not okay. And that is a quote from a mother. <clears throat> exactly. Now we're and and, and that's and that's the thing because right here, she's wanting him home, and his sisters are complaining at this time, and they're and they're telling their part of it, saying the only time that life was tolerable in that family was when he was in a facility. And get this, guys, he was in in a facility. From the ages of 12 to 22 years old. Dang. Yep. So nearly as well, almost an exact decade of just going in and out of mental institution, troubled youth institutions, um, you know, sort of your scared straight straight programs, all that type of stuff. And he was being diagnosed by the doctors as some of them would say he's a psychopath. And uh, yet when the mom would be like, can I come and get my son out of this facility? They'd be like. At. <laughs> they just let him go. <laughs> they would let him you go. You sounded like someone. <laughs> so you're telling me those social workers were Johnsons? They were a ton of Johnsons in this one, man. They, you know, they, you had you had your your UK. Uh, hey, now yeah, he takes the pills. Be all right. <laughs> that's let, not UK, go. man. That's hillbilly. <laughs> that's hillbilly. And then, yeah, the yeah, bloody guy just needs to take some, <laughs> drink some tea with his pills. It'll be fine. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so let me read you um, some names that he was called while he was in these prisons that, well, drove him even more batty from what he was. Uh, he heard all these names and he and he wrote these down. Gormless, which is uh, clueless or slow-witted. Oh, wait, I have to say it right. Gormless, a clueless, mm-hmm. slow-witted. Booger off. Go away. <laughs> run along. You booger prick. off? Yeah, yeah, booger off. Oh, okay. And then there's you prick. Which is dick or asshole? I've heard uh, that one. He's an a- he's a prick. That one, and then uh, <laughs> a toss a tosser, someone who doesn't have it all together. So he's a bit tosser in the head. Um, daft, which is silly, stupid. Oh, like daft so punk, something like that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, daft cow, which is silly or stupid, referring to a woman. So he was called a woman too. This is my favorite though. He was called you cockwumble. Idiot, <laughs> foolish, or obnoxious. <laughs> Cockwumble. I like that one. I love the UK insults, man. You gotta love it. That's gonna be my uh, username. I'm Cock- using that one. I ain't gonna lie. Cockwumble. <laughs> you cockwumble. <laughs> it's Matt, Gabby, and Cockwumble. <laughs> I gotta use that one, man, at work, bro. I can't get reprimanded for that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, those were all names he was called. Um, there's plenty others that he listed or whatever, but um, <clears throat> yeah, um, he really he really had uh, 
brought it on himself too because he wasn't exactly an upstanding citizen while he was in these facilities. So uh, now at the age of 22, uh, we see our first arson because usually we have these, you know, because this is another sign of, of people that like, you know, when they have they go through issues, you know, they do certain things. <clears throat> I think we've done only one other story before where someone lashed out with fire. Um, but at 22, he attempted to search uh, or set a uh, local church on fire. Wow. And he was arrested by the police and then he was put in a mental facility once he was, uh, uh, you know, said that, hey, he's kind of dangerous. Um, he's unstable. So he would be there for a couple months and the doctors would, uh, there was one doctor in particular that said, hey, this guy <clears throat> shows signs of abuse and he could be a future murderer. And, wow, they straight up said that. Uh, they straight up said that. They said this kid is very dangerous with his history. He could be a future murderer. So what do you think his com compadres and colleagues said over there at the uh, hospital? No way. Well, I take it they're Johnson, so they probably would have said. He can get help. They said, we can, we can save this kid. Don't worry about it. We got it. Neither one of you are right because the mom would say, I want him home, damn it. He deserves to be home, psychopath or not. And they were like, all right. No way. <laughs> that, that was it. Dude. They just let him go again. He's no too way. old for this. The hell's wrong with this woman? <laughs> yeah. I want my son home. Yep. You want to die first, that apparently. Man. Let him be. So, so he's no more home for a week before he throws. He just starts walking down the street. And there's all these nice, you know, glass displays. And he just start, starts picking up rocks and just breaking and smashing windows. Wow. How like old a, is he at this point? 22. He's 22, working on 23. Jeez. And uh, <clears throat> so when he's arrested, then deemed unstable, he goes over to the mental facility. He uh, pulls out his, uh, because he's, you know, you're able to have when you're, there for longer than a month you're able to bring in your own stuff you know as long as it doesn't hurt yourself or whatever and he brings in nazi memorabilia oh, oh wow yeah and he says he's a nazi forgetting the fact that he's a quarter black uh being creole he says he's pure aryan and uh he would e have his mom buy him a nazi outfit where she bought it from i don't what? know this is where after the war get that? <laughs> i have no idea <laughs> and she obliged yeah, she's Creo, and she's like, hey, here you go, son. I think they need to check the mother. <laughs> I think the mother knows something. I'm sorry, but for her to go through all this for this guy at this point, mm -hmm. you know something. What do you feel so damn guilty about that you keep giving him his way? I, I really think the mother might be uh, something wrong with her as well, because uh, she's not showing signs of stability. Exactly, Peter. I think I think uh, she had some head injuries, apparently. Because good God, right? Where does she get a Nazi uniform from? That that's just kind of rare, don't you think? I, I'm really doubting this woman. She probably abused him herself. Probably. She, she could have, because this is uh okay. So we're around late 1973, <clears throat> and um, he's out, and uh, all of a sudden in the London Cambridge area. Police start getting all these reports of purse snatchings. There's purse snatchings of wealth, wealthy older women. 
muggings uh, in affluent areas, because in those areas of Cambridge and the surrounding areas, it's like the Beverly Hills of England. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the police are are baffled. They, you know, you know how it is in like a rich area. They'll put more cops there than usual. Absolutely. Yeah, and so they're watching this area because that's their money maker, and yet the unknown assailant keeps striking, and um, the police are getting worried because they're like, man, he, he's kind of roughed these women up but not too bad you know maybe bruised them a few times but uh this guy could escalate and possibly murder you know or do some serious harm so the cops are trying to get undercover women to do it and everything else like that and um but nothing was happening and uh and the the muggings continued so we have a date Uh oh oh no yeah. And we know what happens when there's a date on this podcast. <laughs> Bad things happen. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so February 14th, 1974, 84-year-old Isabella Griffin, uh, no relation to Peter, a, wi- <laughs> a widow of a sergeant. What were you saying, Matt? We're not laughing at the victim. That's just what you said. Yes, I'm sorry. That's what we got you said. Peter Griffin over here. Yes. Um, but the 84-year-old widow of a sergeant of the police department apparently was walking home from a local high-end store in the Cambridge area. And uh, she was seen being accompanied by a younger man. Um, he was helping her up her steps to her house. And, uh, you know, that was the last she was seen. Uh, when <clears throat> when neighbors fell to see her the next day, she had a little routine at the park where she'd feed the ducks and whatnot. Uh, they went to check on her where they found her strangled to death. And uh, uh-huh. her her uh, her uh, uh, belongings had been uh, taken from her house as well. Uh-huh. Uh, <clears throat> the hard part here, though, is she was found on the floor and she had been beaten to death. However, there was a knife about a six to eight inch knife long that it was stabbed through her chest so hard it was stuck in the hardwood floor she was laying on oh yes it went straight through her chest out her back oh that is brutal that is some force right there he cocked this arm back with that one yep so um the police were were getting frustrated because they knew that this escalation would have apparently happening, and they were trying to set up a task force. But the sergeant said, uh, "No, no, no! It's uh, too early to set up a task force. I don't think it's uh, just yet." And then the rest of the cops were like, "All right," but like angrily, "All right," you know what I mean? Like they didn't want to follow through with it, but uh, they had Reluctant. to. Yeah. Um, so these muggings continued. And they figured it had to be the same guy. It was the same M.O. every time. And um, unfortunately, because they didn't set up a task force and they they didn't have they had three different jurisdictions. Once again, not sharing evidence, not until until this murder happened. They did not share any any information with anybody. They didn't try to to um, work together. They were all working against each other. I swear I hate that. I mean, it's a lot different now, but still. Mm hmm. So either way, it happened on the night of March 10th, 1975. So nearly, you know, 13 months later after the first murder, elderly Adele Price was found strangled upstairs. What happened was 
the granddaughter had come home from school. Her mother was at work, and she wanted to check up on her uh, uh, her uh, grandmother, who was staying upstairs in the nice house. She uh, walked by a young man and said, "Hello, good day, sir. Good day, ma'am." And you know, tipped his hat to her, and she walked by and kind of did the whole curtsy thing and said, "Oh, what a bloody nice young young boy." And, uh, you know, she walked upstairs not knowing that was the murderer just leaving the house. Mm. Oh, wow. She walked right past him. <clears throat> so um, she will go up there and find her, her grandmother, unfortunately, strangled to death and beaten pretty brutally um, and robbed of her some of her belongings. Mm. Yep. So that was the, the second murder. Now, uh, most of London and the Metropolitan Police were under the pressure to make the arrest. Because, again, we're in a Beverly Hills type area. You know, this is unheard of. Usually people leave their doors open the whole nine yards, you know. But uh, so a murder squad was formed and the police were taking this very seriously now, unfortunately, too, too little too late. Um, so they were they were watching the areas. They had all these, uh, you know, uh, undercover th- things going. But uh Patrick was nowhere around. Patrick had moved to a small town called Shorn. It's a sea coastal town off in England. I think it's a sea coastal town. I think it is, yeah. A uh, peaceful town. And, um, you know, he would go around there loitering, trying to find little odd jobs. But uh, he was down on his luck. And he met Father Crean, who was a, uh, what is it, a uh, Catholic priest in the in the area. For the town, the town of Shorn, he had a, a local. Uh, you know, he had a, this little dog that he would, the Jack Russell dog that he would have with him and follow him everywhere. And he, you know, wherever he went, the dog went. And uh, the the priest was very uh, loved in the in the area of the town. And there was like four. He had like fourteen nuns that were in his uh, his church and you know helping him out with the parishioners and everything else like that. And he Where's always, mommy at this point? She don't want him home. Yeah, he's not with mommy. He's on his own now, which is even worse. So, and on being on his own, he's you know he's resorting to thievery, you know, muggings and and then the two murders. And so, but he's still like right now he's living on the street. He can't, you know, he'll blow through his his money either on alcohol or you know whatever. And uh, you know, so he has, doesn't have anywhere to stay. And yeah. uh, Father Crean is like, well, you know, we have beds in the in the church and you come here you know we'll have a bible study and you could help out around the church i'll give you a little spending cash we'll feed you doing the nice the thing you know i have a really bad feeling about this one yeah so 11 days after he had had his second murder and he arriving in shorn just 11 days march 21st 1975 a nearby town of Gravesland where the the priest Father Crean was supposed to show up at an event. Uh, Crean was not seen at the uh, at, at the uh, event. So some of his parishioners were like, hey, someone should go back <clears throat> and check on, uh, you know, the Shorn Church and see if he's there. And so the, the while the police were being called, some of the um, the parishioners had gotten down there and they saw, unfortunately, his little uh jack russell out in the uh in the lobby area of the church just by himself he's they're like well father crean has to be here the dog never leaves his side and the dog was barking and and they were like man where is he you know so they walk in there and all of a sudden a nun comes out screaming 
and the police ran into the church to find Father Crean in a bathtub full of water and blood. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the amount of blood in the water, uh, the police said that it looked like his entire, like he just completely bled out into the bathtub water. Ugh. Dang, what did he do to him? Can you guys guess? I'm going to say he sliced his throat, he sliced his wrist, and he sliced his chest open. Gabby? I'm going to say, yeah, um, stab wounds. Okay, stab, stab, stab wounds are correct. He suffered 13 deep cuts to his chest. However, the kill shot was the axe that was still embedded in his head. Oh, what the heck? The, the axe was right in the middle of his forehead and nearly split the top part of his head wide open. Oh, my God. What the heck? Yo. Yes. Um, as detectives were trying to find the motive and searching Crean's background, one detective uh, remembered from just five days earlier, Crean had reported... Patrick, and again, he's helping him out with food, place to stay, work. Patrick had stole a check from that he was supposed to give to somebody else. And mm-hmm. Father Crean's like, I don't want to report you if you just give me back the check. He wouldn't give the check back. And the police, filed, you know, he filed the report with the police. And yet, even though the police were looking for him, Father Crean didn't turn him in, even though he knew he was staying there. He gave him a second chance. Ooh. Oh, bad idea. Can't be too nice to every every people. Exactly. And Father Crean paid with his life because he gave him a second chance. And uh, they were like, hey, well, you know what? This kid might have motive for doing it because, you know, Father Crean got him in trouble. And then when the police Mm -hmm. did some more homework, they were realizing... Holy crap, this guy's been in, in and out of psychiatric homes his entire life. Mark policing. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, this guy seems dangerous. <clears throat> so they were like, crap, we have to find him. So, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> they basically didn't have to search too far. He was found in a, uh, what is it, where they keep the uh, goats or the, the cows. The he was, yeah, he was in one of those barns in one of those uh neighboring um, cattle farms and uh, he was promptly arrested and so uh, when he was uh, said to uh, you know when he was questioned uh, he came out and said that um, you know why did he do it to Father Crean now he didn't have a specific motive but he said after he put the axe through Crean's forehead he said that um, he filled the bathtub up with water and he watched Father Crean's body float lifeless in the bathtub for an hour. Wow. Yes. And didn't phase him. Didn't phase him. And he said he did the same thing with the first murder. He confessed to the murder, and they were also able to tie the two elderly women to him with uh, fingerprints. Mm. Yeah. So... Uh, he would <clears throat> willingly confess to Crean's murder as well, and um, but the thing is, he confessed to thirteen in total. Whoa! Wait, what? What? Yeah, and here's the catch, though: 
and let's see if you and I want to get your guys' um um what is it uh, thoughts on this after uh I read this to you guys cuz I want to I want to I want to see if you guys believe it or not. Um so most of these murders were unknowing to the officers when they were interviewing him. But investigators checked the descriptions of the killings and found they indeed matched details of the unsolved murders that only the killer would know that occurred in and around London at the time. McKay stated in several interviews that his first murder was at 17 years old with a German, um, a German appear named Heidi Monique, who was murdered on July 9th, 1973. McKay had stabbed her on a train before opening the door of the still moving train and throwing her out near Catford, Germany. Oh, at 17. At 17. And then he further stated that he had killed a drunken homeless man, throwing him off a bridge into into the river in Thames in January 1974. Then McKay also confessed to the murders of 57-year-old Stephanie Britton and her four-year-old grandson, Christopher Martin. Oh, no. On 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 the 12th of January 1974, saying that he had only killed the child because he felt he was a witness. Um, he can, he confessed also to the murder of Frank Goodman on uh, the 13th of June, 1974. He had kicked him to death over a pack of cigarettes. Man. Then he went on to confess to a murder of a 92-year-old Sarah Rod- Rodmel uh, in her flat in Hank- Hackney on December 1974, uh, 20- December 23rd saying that he nailed the back door shut and put her stockings in her mouth and then killed her as easy as washing my socks, he said, uh, because she was 92 years old. And he he also confessed to a murder of a 48-year-old cafe owner, Ivy Davies, in Southland in in 1975, February, saying that he killed her by beating her to death with a tent peg. So, you know, one of those... um, Oh, man. Yeah, you hold the you, you spike you it into the ground. Yeah, you spike it to the ground. A yeah, tent peg. Those oh walls, no! Those, tent, those nails that you spike in the ground to hold the tent. Oh, that's terrible. Yep, yeah. and he was also heard by a couple of his inmates that said <laughs> that he had uh, been bragging about these murders off and on while he was staying at some of those um, places where he was incarcerated. He killed people in there. No, he was he was bragging to some of his inmates. Oh, so right. so the inmates were backing up his stories. And the uh, the three other murders that he confessed to in 1973 of Mary Hines Kent, in Kentish Town, the murders of Isabella Griffith and Adele Price, uh, he he uh, confessed confessed to those there too. Mm. So what do you think? Do you think he he did those murders? I think so. If he was specific in details, then why would he lie about them? Yeah, I, I believe it. Well, the police didn't. Oh, my God. Come <laughs> on! End the story now, bro. End it now. What? <laughs> Why? Well, so Johnson? they went... Oh, my God. Sick Johnson's in this one. Uh, they said, okay, we had the fingerprints on the Adele murder and the other older woman as well we know that he killed father cream his fingerprints were on the axe as well plus he had left bloody shoe prints and there was all kinds of evidence with those three murders and he was also id'd by the grand granddaughter and the other one however 
as much details as he had on these murders, and these were all unsolved murders that only he confessed to when he came, you know, why would he randomly confess to all these murders and know exactly specific details, bragged about it, and had testimony from other inmates saying, hey, yeah, he was telling us about this. And the cops are all, nah, he didn't, he seems pretty innocent to me. So, yeah, they didn't take the word of anybody. So he was found not guilty for those, and but he was on trial. For, yeah, but he was found guilty of the three murders, though. And in 1975, uh, he was sentenced to life imprisonment. Um, so out of the 13, he's only been given the, you know, they're they're saying it's most likely 13, but he was only convicted for three. Hmm. And what sucks is those families of those people, because they don't want to attribute those to him, those are considered unsolved cases. Get out of here. Yep. That is so stupid. Get out of here. Yep. Nah, nah. And and the good news is he's 70 years old today. He's still alive. He's still alive? Oh, yeah. That's the greatest of all the news. Yep. He's 70 years old, still incarcerated right now. And I'll put up some pictures when he was younger. Boy, he looks unstable. All you had to do was look at his picture, and you're like, damn, that guy's got to be off the street. Somebody needs to kill him the same way at his old age. Like Sideshow Bob or something? Uh, well, he, w- he was doing some pretty trippy pictures before. Like he, he, There's this one picture where he just does this like rage face on purpose towards the camera, and you're like, oof. Yeah, yeah. there's something not right there. Yeah, I gotta see the pictures. Yeah, I'll, I'll post those on the on our page. But uh, <laughs> this is gonna be the I, stupidest thing. Like, <laughs> you get a full blown confession. Exactly. You can finally close the cases of those people and give their family some freaking closure. And you're just, well, I don't believe him. No. Yeah, you're like, wait a minute. How did he know about that killing? We didn't yeah. give that detail. No. He's he's good. Don't worry about it. He's he's safe. And those sick. No, That's I mean, stupid. There, there's ten case. Well, nine cases, but they're sickening because you know he knew specific detail. Like even on the train one where he threw the woman out of the train, mm-hmm. he knew how far it was from the freaking station. So how more obvious? That's what could, I'm saying. Could it have been. He's so specific in the details. It's like, dude, it, get that man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, someone as twisted as him with all the crap he had on him already. He's not good. He's definitely been killing for a long time. Yeah. And the thing is, and if you do the math, he was doing killings um, right when he was still going in and out of those. Yeah. When he was 16, uh, 17 years old. Yeah. His mom was enabling him to get, you know, to get out. Thank his stupid ass mom for getting mad every time. It was his stupid ass mom. In fact, his his sisters later on would blame her, the mom for allowing this to happen because they're under the impression that um, he did kill those other people. Like his sisters are actually anti him. You know, his oh, mom. I, I would be too. His mom has passed on, obviously now, but but she, up until her death, was at all the arraignments, visiting him. His sisters never visited him uh, because of the way he was, and then plus they believe he was behind all those murders. I wouldn't either. If he did what he did to me, I would hate him. I guarantee you the mom was saying, oh, my child is innocent. 
Mm-hmm. No, no. <laughs> I know they're like, hey, missus, we got to keep him in the prison. And then she's like, no, 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 I'm sorry, man. No sympathy for him. Lock him up. I, on this one, as Gabby Gab would say. Off with his wing. Yeah. Even though these I mean, crimes even though, weren't... Did, even though he didn't do anything with it in the murder, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, still. That Matt, we know of. Yeah, Matt's like, that wang was, was innocent, but it's still got to go. <laughs> we, <laughs> don't, go. we don't know that that wing was innocent. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think you can do anything if you push someone off the train, but... But but we don't know. We don't know. Lego but anyways, off with his wing. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but most people that are twisted, their mind is twisted everywhere. I don't think that he didn't do anything like that. Yeah, and, and again, like what Gabby said, just imagine, though, that's what, uh, 25, that's uh, now 50, 57 years later, and you know it was that guy, but you can't really get complete closure i mean some people lost some sisters mothers fathers over this guy there's technically 10 unsolved cases that's not right you know i'm sorry but if i'm the family of the victim i'm blaming him like i don't care what the juror says or whatever it may be i'm blaming him yeah yeah he had to have done it i mean you you know of all the all the details like again they always they all the police always do that like They'll be like, oh, someone was stabbed in the park. But that's like the only thing. That, they won't say yeah. what type of blade. They won't say exactly. that stuff was taken on purpose so that no one cops to it just to get jail time and a place to sleep. That Because there are people that are that deranged and twisted. But they'll wait so they know, you know what I mean, like what they're looking for. They leave details out for a reason, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So that if people are specific, specific with the details, it's like, okay, how did you know that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's the story. Patrick McKay still incarcerated in the UK. I wonder how our UK fans feel about this murderer. Yeah, he was definitely a, a spree killer. Like you know, what I mean, like he had a he had a short time doing it at first because they they thought you know of only the three murders in that year mm-hmm. and a half. But no, it turned into if you really follow the the um, the crimes, it was over a period of seven years. Yeah, and you know, and like you said, I blame the mother because clearly there was something wrong with him, but she wouldn't give him the proper help. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why. And I'm not co-signing what the dad did, but that's probably why the dad left. Well, he he died. Remember? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He died. I'm sorry. But he, but he didn't. He didn't help the situation when he was alive, though. Yeah. I mean, just yes, the war stories and everything else like that, and. Who knows? Maybe he told him, hey, if you see a nice bell-looking flower, pee in it. Then you drink yeah. it. Who knows? Well, he did do something with his wing. He peed in the flower. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Off with it. Justice for the flowers. Justice for the flowers. And the animals, too. I mean, and the animals. Especially the turtles, man. Yep. All of them. All of them. I love turtles. That's why it's just birds, I know, too. but it's like he, just the abuse. Like, no. But this was a guy, I mean, obviously we can't judge the UK for one person, but this is definitely a case where, god damn, how many times does one person fall through the freaking cracks? And this guy yeah. fell through the cracks over and over and over. Yeah, I definitely do blame the mom, though. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wonder if when she was alive, 
did she feel some kind of guilt? Good question. I mean, we won't know, but I, I just wonder that. I think she did, but the thing is, I'm I'm questioning what type of guilt. What makes you just dismiss the fact that the rest of your children are scared and being abused? You're being abused by the kid yourself, and yet you still and fight you for still want to get him out. You still want to bring him home, like. What is it? What is this weird attachment toward him? What what have you done that you feel you owe him this? That's her son, you know. Like I said, I don't know the the feeling of a mother, but a mother's love. Yeah, but she got other children. It, do you think that was something mental on her side, Gabby? That's what I, I bro. I'm saying. It. I don't know if it was mental. I mean. <sighs> I think it was. He could have inherited something like that from her because clearly she's not thinking straight either. Mm-hmm. I think it was. But I don't know. I don't know why I just get this feeling, this suspicion that she did something and she just felt she couldn't let him down. She had to save him in spite of everything he was doing to her and the, uh, the kids. Do you think, because when I was reading up on this story, do you think it might have been something where, you know, they all lost the father suddenly and unexpectedly? Do you think with him taking that role of a father when he was in the easy chair barking out orders and stuff, she kind of like pictured him as a semi-father or figure too, or husband figure? I wouldn't say that wouldn't, I wouldn't knock it. It could be. I just think she had probably uh, some mental issues as well. I don't think she might've been all there. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't care how old a kid is or who it is. You're the mother at the end of the day. No kids should be disrespecting you, and no, ki- you shouldn't allow any of your kids to disrespect you. Oh, much less physical abuse. Exactly. Yeah. So if she did feel that, okay, that's the, he's the man of the house now, I must respect. No. Like, no. if I had a son and lose my husband, then my son's going to come home trying to beat on me, I'm going to kick his ass. Yep. And throw him out. I'd be like, I don't care. Especially when I have daughters. Yeah, so I... Me personally, I feel like maybe something wasn't all there with her. And that's why she was batting so hard for him to, you know, be home with her. But still, you know. Yeah, I, 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 feel, I feel like the sisters were looked overlooked all their lives. That's probably yeah. another reason why they have animosity towards both of them. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I don't blame them. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know. It's it's just weird to that's me. It's a tough one. Yep. It's weird. But imagine, though, just, you know, last thing for me is imagine just having so much verbal abuse because God knows what he did when the police weren't called. But 18 times in one month, the police have to come out there to separate the family or to take him away or, you know, that guy, that must have been so, like, traumatizing. Bruh, they should have been locked. Hey, man, this is the 18th time, Patrick. (laughs) We're just gonna have to lock the keys. Throw I'm them sorry, SpongeBob. <laughs> SpongeBob. They should have locked her up too, because that was obvious. Something's not right with that lady. Yep. They should have took charge. That's what they should have did. The cops should have took charge. I don't think they took charge enough. Nope. And I mean, when a doctor is literally saying, "Hey, I think he's a he's a psychopath, and he could be a future serial killer." Exactly. <laughs> Let him go. No. Jeez, what bro, the... take him off to the streets <laughs> no bro lock him up 
Don't I think worry. he, I think he's learned his lesson. <laughs> yeah, like at such a young age, they're already diagnosing him to be a psychopath. Like you don't, you don't keep him out in public. And we all know doctors don't lie; they always tell the truth. <laughs> uh, yeah, always. <laughs> in this oh, case, they wasn't lying. Yes, in this case, they were not wrong. Yeah, they just didn't do Even. nothing about it or didn't enforce things. So, yeah. That's true because a doctor can definitely force him, go to court and force him to be locked up. Absolutely. And the mom can't do crap. Yeah. But she found, we, and we've had a few cases like this where the mom is just a serious enabler. And um, this one was no different. I mean, she, she did everything possible to go down there and, and, you know, bail him out of jail. You know, and she did every time. Well, I mean, she's passed on, so she's blood guilty in my eyes. I agree. I agree. I mean, she's passed on. She's paid for her sins, but um, you know, I still feel I agree with you guys. I I feel she is uh, responsible for those murders as well. Yep. So that's it for the story, Patrick McKay. Well, thank you, Todd Fox, for breaking down that story for us. We really appreciate it. <laughs> you caught me off guard on that one. Oh, really? Really? Did you did you have a good time reading your story? <laughs> Only if I get a popsicle. Well, uh. Oh dear. Well, uh, I think we gotta put Herbert to bed now, cause uh, we're shining off. So, uh, <laughs> with all that being said. Um, this has been another episode of Grinding to Crime. Before we sign off, I want to let you guys a re- uh, reminder where you can find us. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Grinding True Crimes. You can like our page, follow our page, and leave a comment on our page. And we'll get back to you as soon as possible. And if you want to continue to listen to us on, a, on your podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podmine. And for those listening to us outside of the U.S., continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. With all that being said, this has been the Granny Two Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. And we are signing off. Toodles. Peace. Ooh, y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs> whoa, whoa, time out. <laughs>